The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life-transforming health tech. From AI to robotics and beyond, we're reinventing what's possible, and we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. This show is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 5 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. Hi, my name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Here at ANI, we believe that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations, and we are passionate about providing Providing you with the best content that will help you to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, I want to remind you that we offer consulting and conduct trainings, both virtually and in person, all around the world. Our focus is in three main areas. First, negotiation and conflict resolution. Second, leadership. And lastly, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check the link in the description below to learn more about how we could work with you and your team. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. David, thanks for joining us today. It is my honor and pleasure to be with you. And it is my honor and pleasure to have you, my friend. You come highly recommended by our mutual friend, Mike Reddington. I already know this is going to be good. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to it too. Perfect. Well, how would you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay, great. Well, my name is David Matsumoto. I'm born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, way back when. And I was raised in Hawaii until I graduated high school. I went to university at the University of Michigan, where I saw snow for the first time in my life, which is also an interesting negotiation discussion. Finished four years at Michigan and came to UC Berkeley for graduate school in 1981. I finished a master's and PhD here at UC Berkeley in psychology. And I was very, very fortunate to get a job here in the Bay Area when I graduated in 1986. I then moved to San Francisco State University in 1989, where I have been till now. So I've been at San Francisco State University for 34 years. During that time, I also have opened and run a company called Humantel, which does consulting research and training in the areas of reading people and body language, most of it in relation to investigative interviewing, deception detection, threat assessment, a bunch of negotiation stuff. And so we've been doing that for almost coming up upon 20 years. In addition to all of that, I do judo. I, you know, judo is kind of the major force in my life that keeps me going. I've done it since I was seven years old. I'm 63 now. So that if you do the math, we, and I shouldn't say this because I, I, then I got to do the math right on the fly, but 57 years or 56 years or so, I've been doing judo. And um, despite the wherever my body is, I'll still get on the mat and, and try to work out. So that's, that's me in a nutshell, I think. I love this. And, and listeners, you might be wondering, why is a Buckeye having a Wolverine on the podcast? Well, as you can tell, he does judo, so I'm not going to mess with him, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, I didn't realize you're a Buckeye. If I knew that, we would not be. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, I was there in the days when Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler used to duke it out. On, boy, and there were, towns would go crazy. Ann Arbor would go crazy. And whatever college town, that, <laughs> is that a university there? I mean... <laughs> oh, God, you're a Buckeye. Oh, 
Yeah, uh, listen, see, I have uh, to make sure that I disclose that once we've already committed to the episode. I see. Okay. <laughs> well, go blue. <laughs> there we go. See, this we I was just glad that your um de- your deception detection didn't pick up on my buckeye vibes. Yeah, I should have turned on the Jedi stuff when I was reading about this thing, you know? (laughs) Oh, this is great. Well, I I think we are overdue for an episode on nonverbal behavior. This is your expertise, and I'm just excited to get into this. In general, when we talk about nonverbal behavior, I want to get your definition of nonverbal behavior, and then we'll we'll start to go from there. Okay, well, nonverbal behavior is any behavior that transmits messages that is not words. So anything like the fact that you're, I think you're writing something down, the fact that you're looking down, the fact that a person is smiling. And I mean, I see nonverbal behavior as a subset of nonverbal communication. So the kind of microphone you've got, the fact that you've got that sweater on, the color of that sweater, you know, all the other things that gives us a message about who the other person is, or the context in which you're in gives us flavor and and understanding of what's going on. So that's the larger world of nonverbal communication, which is also important to any interaction, I think. And then the behaviors are the things that people do. It's any of the dynamic movements and actions that a person does that communicates without words. So it's any of that. This is great. And the reason why I wanted to start there is because I think most people listening would think that they have a, an understanding of what nonverbal behavior is. And so when you're talking to a true expert, they can see those nuances. They can see the layers that are almost imperceptible to other people. So that's why I wanted to start there too. And sure. even that distinction between nonverbal communication and nonverbal behavior, that is substantial, but I think a lot of people miss it. Can you go a little bit deeper into that and draw the distinction even further? Oh, yeah, sure. You're exactly right. A lot of people use those terms interchangeably. But I, and most, I think, um, scholars in the field differentiate those terms, nonverbal communication and nonverbal behavior. So again, nonverbal communication is the larger uh, umbrella term that covers nonverbal behavior and other buckets of communicative modes that we get messages from. For example, the physical environment that we're in, Right. If we, if we were meeting in a restaurant that was well lit and we were sitting at a certain type of table with chairs across each other, that's different than meeting at McDonald's or meeting in a, in a very fine dining restaurant where it's darker and you were sitting adjacent to each other, et cetera, et cetera. So the physical environment is one of the buckets of nonverbal communication. Another bucket of nonverbal communication is physical appearance. Of course, our size, our shape, and all that other stuff that are immutable to our person, but all the other things that we choose to place on us, because all of that gives an impression to others, but also tells others something about yourself. It's like, I mean, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but yes, the color of your, your sweater and whether you've got a little face here, like I, you know, I don't have as much there or, or the type of glasses that a person chooses to use and what I've chosen to wear. Everything that I've chosen about my appearance tells one something about that person. So, for example, if I come with a little badge, a pin here that says UM, U of M, you know, then I wouldn't have had to have made that statement about U of M. We could have had an immediately a discussion about that. And there, because I've people put those things on for a reason. And those are interesting places to have conversations, to develop that rapport, to just show your interest in other people, I think. And so the, anyway, there's a physical appearance bucket. Then there's another bucket called that I call behavioral traces. So this is where you're not here anymore. 
but I can tell you, but you've done something that tells me something about you. For example, if I just ran across Kwame's car and I saw that it was a 1964 Mustang, red, dark red, that tells me something about you as opposed to whether it's a 2023 Hyundai, you know, or, or whatever, and what color it is and what bumper stickers you've got and the layout of your house and, and what you've got in your yard. These are behavioral traces. You're not there, but it tells me something about you. So that's the third bucket. The fourth bucket then becomes the nonverbal behavior. These are the dynamic actions and movements of our bodies that transmit a message to somebody else that tells us about that person's mental states, their personalities, their intentions, their motivations, and other characteristics. You know, if, we, if we're watching two people or more interact, we can get an idea of, well, of the nature of the relationship their intimacy levels, their comfort levels, their hierarchy, you know, and who's the boss and who's the subordinate and things like that. And I'm just, and now I'm starting to just ramble, but those are the four buckets of nonverbal communication, of which nonverbal behavior is one of those buckets. But of course, you know, it happens, I think it's one of the most important buckets. I agree. And this already has been a masterclass, David. So I appreciate this. So Thank let you. me just recap it really quickly for sure. the audience. So the larger umbrella term is nonverbal communication. And there are four elements of it. We have the physical environment, we have the physical experience, we have behavioral traces, and then nonverbal behaviors. And if the listeners are kind of like me, they are blown away by just how much there is to this and then potentially overwhelmed saying where do i even begin because there is that you know we have that position where we're in where we're we suddenly become aware of our ignorance and that can be overwhelming so sure. for the everyday negotiators when we're trying to take this information and make it practical for us where would you suggest that we start well i'll tell you exactly where to start and this is my suggestion and it's knowing that background, the place to start is to observe. I mean, really observe. Most of us think we observe, but we don't really observe. Take notice of that background. Take notice of what that person may be wearing. Take notice. You know, I, I know a lot of people I think are great negotiators. And one of them told me something that really stuck with me. I don't necessarily agree with the content, but the thought is something that's really interesting, which is Every time he walked into, he was going to talk to somebody, he noticed their shoes because it hmm. told them something. Yeah, I get it. It's not, I'm not the shoe guy either, but it told <laughs> them something about that person. And sometimes it would lead to a discussion or not. So other people I know say, look at, you know, notice their watch. Other people I know say, notice whatever pin or badge they've got on them. Notice or notice the picture they've got on the desk when you walk into the room, whether it's the picture or the watch or the, the shoes. The main point for me is notice, right? Because my job in the world is not is to help people get better data about the individuals they're going to talk to. So I'm talking to a master negotiator right now, and my job is to open people's eyes and minds to the fact that there's all this additional data about that person that you can get that may that was always there, but we may not be leveraging. Now, what do you do with that data? Now we're back in your world, right? Now it's okay, let's say you notice that watch or you notice that shoes or you notice that picture or you notice the layout of the room or the color of the their uh, furniture or the frown on their face or the smile on their face or whatever it is. What do you do with that? 
Now we go back into your world, right? Where are you in the negotiation? What kind of relationship do you have? What's the purpose of why you're meeting there? But my job is to get you that data so that now you have additional information that you can operate on. It's notice. Now that we know that the world has all this information, let's make a little notice. And sometimes leveraging something you notice that's not exactly the content of your interaction, in my experience, sometimes leveraging something little on the side means all the world to building that relationship, to building that rapport, to setting the stage, to having a good, fruitful conversation, as long as we do it well. But if you don't notice, you don't have that platform. You don't have, you can't, you don't have that springboard to do that. This is great. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And we will be right back after this. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. For me, what makes this so exciting and empowering is the fact that that's something I can do. <laughs> no, where, no matter where we are in this journey of negotiation and um, observation, we can all start to notice more things. Yes. And I, yes. I think that's really exciting. And you're absolutely right. We're not exactly sure how or if the things that we notice will come into play in the negotiation. Right. But we give ourselves the opportunity to take advantage of it if we do start by noticing. At the end of the day, negotiation is an information game. The more information we get, the better off we're going to be. And then the next level would be understanding what to do with that information actually in the moment with the other person. I think you're exactly right. And you know, most good operators that I talk with, whether operating in the world of negotiation or sales or investigations or in the intelligence world, most good operators have heard of the mantra about active listening. What I'm suggesting is we do the active observation as well. And we put the active observation together with the active listening because just listening will limit yourself. I mean, listening is important now. So let me, people sometimes take me wrong and suggest that I suggest that, you know, the words don't matter. Words are incredibly important, but sometimes we just, we rely on the words, the exclusion of the, of the world around the, what I call the packaging of the world with the words and words that we have in human communication are always packaged by the nonverbal behavior that we produce when we say them as I'm doing it right now. Uh, and as as we all do them, and by the context in which we are in. So it's it, taking notice of the package, I think, can be really important. I agree. And this is just some Kwame curiosity here, David. Okay. So when you think about your vast amount of experience with nonverbal behavior, micro expressions, nonverbal communication as a whole, I should say as well, 
and then you bring it to the sport of judo let's say if you are looking at the person on the other side that you're going to be up against do you bring some of this observation to the mats as well well yes and many different levels i mean the communication when we're with somebody else judo is kind of interesting you know because it's one of the few martial arts like jujitsu where you you're actually grabbing a hold of somebody else like other martial many of their martial arts have people at a separate distance right and so they're striking and kicking and all that kind of stuff but judo and jujitsu are pretty unique in that we're gripping each other and so communication occurs here and this is nonverbal communication i'm communicating with that other person and believe me a lot of communication is occurring in these wrists right it's like i mean when one gets experienced you can tell this person knows what they're doing or not is afraid for their life or not and all this other stuff is happening right here and then the other senses like my observational skills and all that other stuff kind of color all of that uh, this communication that's occurring right here so i would say that the observations start here in judo when i'm coaching judo and I, you know i've coached a lot of judo of course i'm not grabbing another player because i'm on the side coaching an athlete to win a match and absolutely you're, you're i'm observing their posture their gait their expressions in the meantime how they're reacting to tough situations because as you know second by second there's someone that wants to kick your butt and and it's interesting to how people react to that right and i use that those observations to help me understand and thus provide advice to athletes on how to overcome whatever they're dealing with in the moment. And sometimes it's overcoming their own reactions. And sometimes it's helping them to find a way to overcome their opponent's behavior. But yeah, the observations become crucial at that point, because at that point, I've only got observations. When I'm doing judo, it's observation plus the feel, right? It's a little different when you're doing it versus you're coaching it. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. It's, that's really interesting. The part that I think is most interesting to me is how you talked about how you're reading the body language, but also how the person walks, how they carry themselves and those type of things. Because the way that you carry yourself, your presence, your aura, however yep. we want to describe it, that by itself can be persuasive. You're sending messages all the time. Oh, yeah. And oh, so yeah. for us as negotiators, when we're thinking about our own body language and our own nonverbal communication, what are the things that we should keep in mind? Oh, so I'm so sorry to talk about on generic levels, but here it is. It's to do exactly what you're saying. Keep that in mind mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't keep that in mind and just go into their situations without thinking about how they're coming off. And I don't think that there's, I mean, now, so I don't know the answer to this question. You tell me, actually. I don't think that there is a one-way rule that the way you need to come off to have a successful negotiation. I think sometimes you want to come off looking really strong when you're walking in, your, your posture, your, but I think sometimes that may not be the best thing depending upon who you're talking. I'm just guessing here. And if that's the case, there's not one rule. I think the, the rule is what you know that you're coming off a certain way and be strategic about how you want to come off. And if you're strategic, given the goals and who you're talking to and all that other stuff, now we're in your world, being strategic is, is the more important thing to me. Like, you know, I do a lot of work with investi investigators and it's very clear in the world of investigative interviewing, which is like a negotiation, it's, it's exactly a negotiation, right? I mean, most cops who are doing an investigation are negotiators as well. They're just selling a different product. They sell jail, right? <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, that, right. come on, man. 
that's the way I approach this. You know, they're selling jail. So they're like, they could use some negotiation classes too, but that's a different story, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's very clear in the investigative world that a generally a non-confrontation based approach is really is really effective. It's very effective. But it's sometimes it's okay to be a little bit confrontational. The question is, be strategic about it, right? Be, it's okay to be aggressive, but just be strategic about it. But there, when people are reactively aggressive, reactively confrontational, then it's a 50-50, you know, percentage of whether you're going to be effective or not. And we want negotiators in those worlds, in most of our worlds, to be as effective as they possibly can. And that means be strategic about what you're doing. So now I'm just going, taking a long route about by suggesting, answering your question, be strategic about how you're coming off. And if you sometimes, you know, there's been times when I, I don't consider myself a master negotiator at all, although I, I tend to do pretty well about in my world, what I want, right? But it's sometimes it's important to come off like, hey, I'm the guy, get out of my way. And then sometimes it's not, sometimes it's not, it doesn't work like that. And it's important to know the difference, I think. 100%. You're spot on. And I, again, I love the simplicity of this advice because it's, it's like uh, my favorite quote from Da Vinci. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. It takes yeah. a lot of intelligence and experience to be able to simplify a complicated message to yep. this level, because you're, you're right. At the end of the day, we need to be strategic. We need to make yeah. sure that we have a plan that's narrowly tailored to the situation at hand. And I think a lot of times people go in with this one size fits all approach. Okay. I need to be mindful of my body language. All right. Yeah. I'm going to stand up straight, shoulders tall, stand tall. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. And now you're apologizing for a mistake that you make and you walk in like loud, strong, and proud. <laughs> <laughs> loud, strong, and proud. Okay. Yeah. Wrong That's and 90, strong, right? 90% of the mistakes are there. Okay. So. Right. It doesn't work. Now, yeah. if there's a situation, if somebody's trying to, to bully you and you're trying to, you're letting people know, like, no, I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to stand sure. up for my team. Now that approach might make sure. more sense. You have to recognize the situation that you're in and recognize that these are dynamic situations. Different yep. situations will require different approaches and the best negotiators and the best communicators are able to flow. Yeah, you know, I'm appreciative that you can give the nuances of what I'm saying. The other thing about what the way I always answer that or think about that is, you know, if I suggest, hey, stand up straight, put your shoulders back, and then it becomes mechanical. And people who are, and even if you're not a pro, people can tell a person who's faking their behavior generally a mile away. And once you come off as in disingenuous, you know, you're, you're, you're starting in a bad place, right? Whether it's a negotiation or any kind of interaction, I think being appearing to be genuine and appearing to be authentic, even if you're angry or sad or whatever that is, but appearing to be genuine and appearing to be authentic goes a long way with just having a human to human relationship and an interaction. And thus, when I suggest just be noticed, think about it, be noticing, and then be strategic about it. That way we allow ourselves to have the, our behaviors come from the inside, not be forced from the outside. I'm, hey, I'm going to go and sit up and I'm going to put my hand here. And now that's mechanics. I want to, uh, to me, it's better to, for those behaviors to be expressions of an internal state. And that way it becomes more genuine. And I think the perceptions of genuineness are really important to for most of our interactions you're spot on and that's something that i talk about a lot when it comes to confidence too so somebody sometimes people would ask me how do i look more confident and i say that 
<laughs> the problem is that you're not confident. It's not about right. faking that right. you're confident. It's about doing the things in order to build up your confidence. So yes. like you said, we could have the behaviors representing our internal state. And yeah. I want to briefly and somewhat selfishly turn this into a micro coaching session. Okay, and cool. um, this isn't a situation where I want you to just validate blindly for my ego. I want, if I'm off on this, I want you to let me know. So when I was talking, when I was um, reading Joe Navarro's book, What Everybody is Thinking, this is a question I, I should have asked when he was on the podcast, actually. He, you would like his episode. I'll send it to you. It was really good. One of the things he talks about is asynchronous behavior. Mm. So it's like the body language isn't matching the internal state and people can pick up on the fact that something's off. Right. And so for me, when I read that, in the past, what I would try to do is hide my emotional state. If I'm upset, I don't want to let people know. If I'm sad, I don't want to let people know. But now what I would do is I would give a little disclaimer. So if any of that emotionality leaks out, they understand where it's coming sure. from. And sure. so I, I want to get your thoughts on that. Oh, I, in general, I think that's a really good thing in general, because my hesitation about that is I'm assuming One's already made you or whoever has made the decision that your the status of your relationship is okay enough where that disclaimer can be okay because sometimes it, you know you're not at a place where disclaimers can be made I think so assuming that that's the case that you can make such disclaimers and you're on that level of natural unhidden genuine interaction then of course that's good that gives people a way to understand whatever they're seeing. And then it's easier for us to then be more honest to what's going on inside of us. And that's, a, and again, the perceptions of genuineness, the perceptions of authenticity, given that are going to be key, I think. And even when it's negative, like you're talking about, it's important, I think. So it's good, I think. Good, good. I, and specifically, most of the time it's, hey, I'm really hungry right now. And if I come off as snappy. <laughs> Please apologize. I need a Snickers, right? You need a Snickers. <laughs> oh, this is good. But you know, actually, I'm thinking now, I mean, if somebody, we didn't start like this, but if you started like that today and said, hey, by the way, I just happen to be X, you know, if I appear snap, then I would have been, oh, okay, cool. So yeah, I think in most situations, that's probably an interesting and okay, and probably a good thing to do, especially if you knew you were, you're snappy. Now, if you were lying about it, you know. <laughs> Right. I mean, and we're yeah. going back to your thought there, you don't want to be doing things like this as in a mechanistic way. You're being honest exactly. about your situation. Right. And then that would be cool. Really Perfect. cool. No, yeah. thank you. That, that's very helpful. And I think really when it gets comes down to it, authenticity, it, I think sometimes we overthink it and yeah. we, oh, yeah. we need to give ourselves the license to be ourselves in this moment, too. Well, you know, the thing that comes to my I'm sorry to jump in. The thing that comes to my mind are people who are not necessarily as confident and thus are not as perceived as confident and they're trying to be confident and um sometimes i find those people try too hard and sometimes it's okay to just i mean again depending upon the situation and the relationship sometimes it's okay to just maybe put it out there that you're, you're you may not be as confident about x or you know or whatever that is as opposed to faking it because fit perceptions of faking behavior I think are pretty detrimental to many, many different kinds of efficient and effective interactions. I and the other thing I wanted to mention about what you said about confidence is the perception of confidence is so important. And it's related to what I'm talking about. I could tell you a lot about judo stories about this, but the perceptions of confidence are best when matched with actual competence. 
right? And because there's a lot of people out there who look really confident that don't know what the hell they're talking about, right? Or don't know what the hell they're doing on the mat, for example. And we want to have confidence with the competence. And when we have competence with, when we have competence, the way our confidence comes out is a different way. It, it doesn't have to be as brash, doesn't have to be as out there, but people who know, know, right? And so uh, I think I always think about confidence, perceptions of confidence to be teamed with actual competence. I agree 100%. I was in an interview a little bit ago, tables were turned, people were interviewing me and they were talking about the confidence issue. And I said, I, I talked about some tactics and strategies to, to build your confidence, predominantly practicing and just improving. Sure. Oh, and yeah. I said, sometimes we just have to recognize that the reason we don't feel confident is because we haven't done what it takes to earn the confidence. And you go. sometimes you just have to own that and say, I just need to get better. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. And you know, in the training world, whatever you're training, nothing matters except being better than who you were yesterday, right? Bingo. And whether it's about negotiation skills or judo skills or interrogation skills or whatever it is, or being a person skills, it's just trying to be better than who you were yesterday. Absolutely. That's what it comes down to. This is so good. David, uh, my negotiation, I'm going to do this publicly on the podcast. Everybody watch my negotiation skills. I need you to come back on the podcast. <laughs> this was so good. This was so good. Yeah, this was great. And before you go, make sure to let the listeners know about your company and the work you do and how to get in touch. I really appreciate that. My company's name is Humantel. That's H-U-M-I-N-T-E-L-L. -L. You can catch us at humantel.com. Come over there. There's blogs, there's free stuff for webinars and courses and things like that. I'm happy to see everybody over there. Drop us a note. There's all kinds of things going on there. And I would love being back here on your podcast, but I still got to do something about your melodious voice, man, because <laughs> I'm afraid <laughs> listeners are out there listening to your melodious voice and my scratchy, squealy voice. And next time I got to come off with some other voice filter or something like that, you know? Listen, man, you sound great to me, but <laughs> listen, if you want to know where I got this voice from, yeah. there was a class called How to Have a Beautiful Voice at the Ohio State University. And, you know, that's where I got it from. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that an accredited <laughs> university? <laughs> I mean, you might want to file for accreditation, you know, and get, get to the next level. Okay. Oh, man. I love this. David, this was a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.